Well, as you all know, we've been learning about um, making every home an altar, our homes, right? And Pastor J.D. has been doing a wonderful job of teaching us from the Word, and um, he's taught us things like uh, how to strengthen our marriages and um, encouraged us to stay under the covering of spiritual authority, uh, the importance of putting Jesus at the center of everything we do, and as well as the importance of God's Word. This morning, I want to talk to you about being a fighter, a finisher, and being faithful. Being a fighter, being a finisher, and being faithful. So 2 Timothy 4.7 is going to be our core verse. And that verse says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And I want to submit to you that for you and I to live a life of impact, that we need Three things, and that is to learn how do you be a fighter, how do you finish well, and how do you stay faithful. Now, Paul wrote these, this portion of Scripture at the very end of his life, and he wrote it to his protege, Timothy, who had been helping him in the ministry throughout. And it's interesting. I don't know if you, if you think so or not, but I think last words from people are important. It's like I believe Paul knew he was going to go home to be with the Lord, and in, his, in, in this epistle to Timothy, he says, remember, fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith. And when I look at what's going on in our nation, in our schools, the attack on the nuclear family, the slide in immorality that's happening, I think the Church of the Jesus Christ, more than ever, has to, be, has to learn how to fight spiritually, how to run the race well, and how to keep the faith as they do that. Amen? Amen? Now, I know generally people in church uh, say, well, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with keeping the faith, Pastor Bob, but I don't know about that fighting or finishing well. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to start and just work progressively through those three topics. So let's start with how do you fight spiritually? Let's look at Ephesians 6, if you will. Turn your Bibles there with me. Or your, uh, in your, if you have it on your iPad or your iPhone. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, very familiar portion of Scripture. And it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, and the word therefore means because of what I just said, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication, for all the saints. Now, I'm a very familiar portion of Scripture for most of us. And I'm familiar with um, and aware of Christians who will daily verbally put on the armor. And they'll pray that. They'll pray, Lord, I'm praying, putting on the helmet of salvation. I'm strapping on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm putting on the belt of truth. And I don't have anything. I think that that is good to affirm that. But I want to submit to you that there is an actual um, 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 working out of each one of those pieces of armor in our daily lives that help us to fight for our families, to fight for ourselves, to fight for the kingdom. And I want to just walk through them, because when somebody says, put on the armor of God, or strap on the belt of truth, or put on the helmet of salvation, and, and in context, it's talking about the weapons of our warfare. What does that practically mean? 
Because if we're going to have our homes be an altar unto the Lord, we have to learn to fight spiritually. Amen? So let's just walk through it. The belt of truth. Psalm 119 verse 160 says this, The entirety of your word is truth. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to submit to you that God's word in our lives is absolutely indispensable. That to the Christian, we sang about the precious blood of the Lord and the life that's in that blood. God's word is a lifeblood to the Christian. And I would say this, that I would say this, that if you, every one of us should have a regular, systematic routine of reading God's Word. No conviction, no condemnation here, but conviction, I hope. Because here's what I realized in my own life. When I established that in my life, it helped renew my mind and keep my eyes on Jesus on a daily, regular basis. And when I wasn't doing that, I found myself being dominated more and more by my flesh, susceptible to those lying spirits and thoughts, as opposed to focus on the word. It's amazing how the spirit of God will take his word and build it into your heart and then use it to remind you and lead you throughout your day. It's absolutely indispensable. And I challenge you. So the question is this, do you have a regular pace of reading through the word? And if you don't, one of those steps on making your home an altar is establish that in your life. Whether you, le- whether you listen, um, read the word audibly or um, actually read it th- off the pages, however you want to do it, but do it regularly and routinely in your life. It'll make an eternal difference in your life and the lives of your family. So I want to talk a little bit how we, we did this with our kids growing up. When our children were little, like little, little babies, um, I would play the New Testament being read at night while they slept throughout the night. It's by a gentleman named Alexander Scorby. For those of you old timers, you may remember him. And I would play that when they were babies. As they got a little older, we would, Sherilyn was the best at this. Sherilyn's my wife of 43 years, and she is by far the better half of this of this uh, marriage. But that being said, she would regularly read Bible stories to our kids at night before they went to bed. When they were little, we would read about David and Goliath and Samuel and that. But as they grew, we, she just diligently read through the stories of the Bible with them. And they remembered them. They learned at home the, the main stories of what God's Word said. Then as they got older... I would challenge, they would be, there would be things in their lives that they would encounter, and we would intentionally teach them God's word, the application of it, to combat an attack from the enemy. So here's a common one, probably one of the most dominant things that the enemy of our soul attacks us with, and that's fear. So when our kids were little and they said, Mom, Dad, I'm having a bad dream, we would teach them 2 Timothy 1.7, and they learned it. In their, and had it in their hearts, which says, says what? God is, thank you. <laughs> My um, Bentley, right back here on the back row, she just, I uh, challenged her, they came to visit us here this last week, and while she was here, I challenged her to learn 2 Timothy 1.7, and she came to me yesterday and said, Papa, I got it. So God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So you take what the enemy's trying to seed 
into your kids, and you combat it with what? The truth of God's word. Here's another one. I'm not sure what to do. I don't know if I should go this place or that or go here or there or do this for my life or that. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean, to your under, to, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall what? Direct your paths. How about, how about Isaiah 119? Why can't I do this with all the other friends that are this? Well, Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the what? The good of the land. And how about Ephesians 4.32? Oh, my gosh. So-and-so hurt me. They said this. or I can't believe they did this, and that hurt me. Well, Ephesians 4.32 says to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So our kids learned and we, we rewarded them, we challenged them, and we helped them to, to store up God's word in their hearts. And that seed, that tr- those truths became anchored in the soul and became the truth to combat the attacks of the enemy. I want to encourage you. If, um, if you're here and you aren't personally have a, have a scripture that you're memorizing, I would encourage you to start doing that. And if you have kids or grandkids, I would challenge you to purposely, intentionally help them learn scriptures from the Bible. Here's what I currently do. The reason Bentley knows that, and my grandkids know this, is because I will pay them to learn a scripture. (laughs) I've done it for years. When they were little, little, I paid them a quarter. And they would come up and say, Papa, I've learned another scripture. And I said, that's great. What is it? Jesus wept. <laughs> I said, that's great. You can learn that one once. Here's your quarter. But now they've gotten older. It's a dollar. And this week, I think I paid out $5. But you know what? It's the greatest investment of my life I can do. So they intentionally will learn God's word because they know when they come to, around to Papa's house and Nani's house, that they can come up to Papa and say, hey, I've learned the scripture, and thank you. Well, and I, I let them choose, the, I let them choose what, what, um, which Bible they want to learn it out of, but it has to be right. Now, why do I do that? Because I know in getting something exact, they're going to go over it and over it and over it. What am I doing? I'm intentionally drawing them in to learn God's word over and over and over till it's exactly in whatever version they chose. Is that good? That'll help you. Remember, we're trying to make our homes an altar as unto the Lord. Some, now, sometimes people say, well, what about Christian books? Christian books are fine to read, but nothing should ever take the place of God's word in your life. Charles Spurgeon said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Charles Spurgeon was a famous preacher around the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century, I believe. All right. Um, To make my home an altar, a sacred place where God's word is revered and taught as the absolute truth, and here's the other reason I do it. The other reason I do it is to protect him from sin and the devastation of sin. I love, I believe it was Andy Stanley's, the title to his book a years ago that he came out with, titled Better Decisions, Less Regrets. I thought, oh my gosh, that statement is so good. How do I make better decisions? I put God's word in my heart because the Bible becomes the truth and the wall that, com- that leads me and guides me and my kids and my grandkids now in their lives. It'll protect them from the devastation of sin. Because let me, let me share something with you, mom and dad, grandparents, when you're not there and they're with peers that may or may not know the Lord and they're being tempted to do something they know it's wrong, it's the word of God that the Holy Spirit will use to remind them, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. 
Now, I want to say the balance to that is this. If they do sin, or we sin, we're all familiar with 1 John 1, 9, which was written to the church, which says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us ongoing from all unrighteousness. So we repent. I don't know about you. I want to learn to be quick to repent. Amen? Teach your kids to. Teach them, hey, if you, may, if, you, if you mess up, if you sin, don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Just confess it. Be forgiven of it. And then move on. But at the same time, work on the other side, the other side of strengthening them with God's word in their heart. Um, the breastplate of righteousness. It's interesting to me that righteousness, the piece of armor chosen to reference that, that Paul used was the breastplate. The breastplate covers what? Heart, vital organs, all of it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you believe, as you stand, sit here today, that before the Lord, you are righteous in his sight because of the finished work of the cross? Do you believe that? Like it's part of yourself, it's part of your self-image. And then, how are you teaching that to your children? This truth is so important to our self-image, it's foundational to our being able to listen, to trust the Lord, believe that he hears our prayers, and that he'll answer them, and to fight condemning voices. I want to encourage you, if you've never done this, do a study in the Bible. It's real easy with all the apps we have available today. And look up all the scriptures in the New Testament that starts out with in whom, in him. And they speak repeatedly, especially through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. They'll talk about we're accepted in Christ. There's passage after passage after passage. And it's building into you your identity in Christ. If your identity is firmly fixed in the Lord, it will help you to withstand any attacks that are coming against you when you feel condemned because of when you messed up, let's say. That identity in Christ, some preachers say this, learning your identity in Christ is one of the most important things any Christ follower can do. Then my question is this, parents, grandparents, what's the self-image that your kids are carrying around inside them? Is it tied to who they are in Christ, or is it tied to the sport they're involved in, or the hobby they excel at, or the academics they do well in? Foundationally, parents, are your kids' self-image being built on, this is the truth of God's word, and this is the truth of who you really are? All the other stuff is just stuff. Nothing wrong with those, but you don't want your image built on that. Amen? Next uh, piece of um, armor is the gospel of peace. John, Luke 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Acts ten thirty eight. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. One of our enemy's greatest weapons is fear, anxiety, and worry. And we have to learn to combat them with the truth of God's word. So what do you do? The question for you and me is this. Do you have peace? Peace in your inside. We live in a crazy world. The question is, do you walk in peace and do you walk with the peace of the Lord? And if you don't, I want to encourage you, do what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, and that's this. I do it regularly. It says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The scripture, cast it, the word casting there literally means to roll them off your back and roll them onto him. When you, when you have things that are pressing on you, 
whatever it may be, relationships, finances, job issues, whatever it is, bring it to the Lord in prayer and roll it over onto him and then walk in that peace. Why is this so important? Let me, let me tell you something. In my life, I found it much more difficult to consistently hear the voice of the Holy Spirit if I'm not walking in peace. If in my heart I'm in turmoil, I struggle with, Lord, is that you or is that not you? Or, But when I have peace and he says, son, this, oh, Lord, thank you for showing that to me. Gospel of peace. Next piece of armor, shield of faith. Familiar portion of scripture again, Hebrews chapter 11, the, the chapter of the hall of fame of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made by the things, by the thing, the things which are seen were not made by the things that are visible. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that his, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith, Greek word, P-I-S-T-I-S, pronounced pistis. Here's what, it, here's what it means. It means a deep conviction, a trust, a confidence in the truth regarding man's relationship to God and divine things. Generally, it includes the idea of trust and a holy fervor born of faith. Faith is critical to the life of the believer. And there's a difference between, a biblical difference between faith and hope and love. And all of you, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the scripture that says, and now abideth faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love. We're familiar with that. The question is, what is the difference between faith and hope? And how do you strengthen your faith as a Christ follower? How do you strengthen your kid's faith as a Christian? Romans 10, 17, another familiar portion of Scripture. Faith cometh by hearing, and what? Hearing by the Word of God. I appreciate so much Scott's passion. Bring your kids. They brought me to church, whether I wanted to go or not. They, they sent me to youth camp, whether I wanted to go or not. Why? Because they wanted them to hear the Word of God preached and taught and talked about. It helps build the conviction, the truth their assurance of what the Bible says. So faith, faith is really important in our life. I, I have to say this. Um, in my own life, I find my faith is strengthened as I'm listening to God's word, when I'm studying it, when I discuss it, like at small groups, life groups, my faith will get built up. But I want to use every opportunity I have on a daily basis to try to build my faith. So here's the deal. We all have time, right? The same amount of time. So I ask myself this question. How much time have I invested today in my growing and strengthening and learning more about my Lord? Was it five minutes? Maybe 45 minutes? Not that it has to be a quantity. My point is, be consistent, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it may be, invest. I thought of this this week. I thought, do we understand what a great blessing it is that we have unhindered access to God's word in multiple versions all the time. And there are people right here today, as we're sitting here, that wish they had a copy or access to the God's word on the planet. I love hearing the stories of missionaries that come back and said, oh, we had a big conference and most of them walked, you know, two hours or three hours, whatever, to come, and we preached all day long and then they walked back home. Well, you have to have a hunger and a thirst for God's word. Boy, I pray God would give us that. That we would value that word that we're holding as precious 
more precious than gold or silver. For us to sing, Jesus be the center of our lives, we must integrate the Bible into the center of our lives. And we all know why. The Bible says in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Faith and that constant investment in it now um, will help prepare you for the crisis that you don't see coming. When I was in corporate life, we used to say this, the time to fix your roof is when the sun is shining. So the analogy was, if you have an issue that something's not right in the business, you want to fix it when things are going well. Don't wait until there's a crisis and, oh, my gosh, the roof caved in. Do it while the sun is shining. And I, 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 would, I, would, I would submit to you this. When Pastor J.D. taught us about Gideon, who was the least tribe with the least family and the least of his brethren, and God picked him, called him a mighty man of God, and Gideon's like, you got the wrong person. And, and finally, he comes to the realization, oh, my gosh, God wants to use me in delivering my people. And then what? So the word gets out, thousands and thousands come. And then God says, what? This is too many. we got to winnow this down. And you know the story. J.D. taught it to us. Down to how many men? 300. Now, in the natural, if that was you, if you were Gideon, and God said, okay, now we got the right amount, 300, and you know that there's three nations worth of armies who combined are, 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 um, are, are numbered more than the sands of the seashore, in your natural mind, what would you be thinking? God, you're not counting right. <laughs> 300. Here's the deal with faith. Faith is the ability to trust deeply, have the conviction that with God and me following his word and him is greater than any circumstance or any army or any enemy that I see. any circumstance, any armor, any situation you're facing, you don't need to know or have figured out this is how it's going to be solved. What you want to do is say, God, I have faith in your word, and I have faith in you that you'll do what your word says. Two more. Good. Um, the helmet of salvation. Very familiar. We're all familiar with salvation. I believe, I, I trust everyone in here knows the Lord. But my question I have for you is, can you lead someone to Christ? Do you know the scriptures to share with them that are to bring someone to the Lord? Some, some people like the Romans wrote. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, an, a, a, a scripture that was instrumental in my coming to Christ. Because I thought if I'm just a good person, how can God not let someone who's a, overall a good person into heaven? And it was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The ability to have the helmet of salvation on, so in the moment you can lead someone to the Lord, I want to challenge you, if you don't have those scriptures in, um, in your heart, learn them this week. And then pray. Say, say, God, give me an opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord in the next couple weeks. And then you'll be able to share with them what the scripture does. The gentleman who led me to the Lord 
did it while I was sitting in the restaurant I worked in, in a booth, that he came back after work and he shared those scriptures with me and then said, would you like to ask Christ in your life? And I said, sure, what have I got to lose? You heard me here before. And of course, I'm think- he's thinking, oh my gosh, eternity without God. And, <laughs> um, and so I prayed there right in a restaurant after he shared those scriptures. And I accepted Christ into my life, declared him as my Lord, confessed and turned away from my sins. And I was born again. And I went home and told my wife what happened. I said, I got saved. But for him to have the ability to do that, he had to have those scriptures in his heart so that in the moment he could share those with him. I love Charles Finney and his commitment to God when he, when he, when he prayed and said, God, let not a day go by that I don't lead someone to Christ. And he would ride his horse to the end of the town and wait as people were going, coming back, coming into town, watching them, and went to the Holy Spirit and said, that's the one, and he would go up and share Christ. And without fail, he led at least one person to Christ on a daily basis. So to be a witness, we have to what? We have to have, be able to share, right? I, know, it, I don't know if you've ever had to serve on a jury or something like that, but when I, when I was, if you were called to be a witness, I had to raise raised my hand and put my hand on the Bible, and I promised to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. But I had to tell it. So the question I have is, are we prepared to lead someone to Christ? And parents, I would say this. Well, all of us have families. Whether you're, whether you're a parent, whether you have siblings that don't know Christ, I'm going to guess that most of us have someone in our extended family that doesn't know Jesus. Tuck the script. Tuck those scriptures in your heart and start praying for them that God will give you an opportunity. And then lead them to the Lord. There are people that will never come in this building or any church, but they'll come to Jesus until they come to Christ. But they'll come to Jesus if you have an opportunity to at a park or in a grocery store or at work. Last couple things. Sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6, 17, and 18, I already read it once. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I want to submit this truth to you. Praying God's word out loud is wielding the sword of the Spirit. Knowing God's word, learning it, renews your mind changes the way you, you, you think, so your thinking comes in alignment with God's word, but praying God's word out, line, out, out loud, that's taking the sword out and using it. Devil, you're not going to keep attacking my son, my daughter, my granddaughter. You're not going to drive them to make decisions to do things through, out of fear because I declared because I declare that you've not given them a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You're not going to keep them making them sick over and over and over, because I declare that by his stripes, Jesus' stripes, he is healed. In Psalms 107, 28, he sent his word and healed them. In Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord that healed thee. You want to pray the word of God over, your, over you personally, over your kids, over your marriage. Pray God's word. It is the Christ follower using, wielding the sword of the Spirit. If you don't, you can pray, you can pray in the Spirit. I get that. If, you, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you have the gift of tongues, you can pray that way. That's powerful too, just as powerful. But I would submit to you that praying God's word, you have to take it out and you have to use it, and you do that with your words. So when you think about your life, and making your home an altar is under the Lord. Boy, whatever situation your extended family member is facing, if it's financial, Father, I just thank you that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and that as we pray, you said you would meet all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I pray for so-and-so, and I ask you, Father, to meet their needs because of your character, because God watches over his word to perform it. All right. 
finishing. So I've talked about fighting. I felt like it was important that we uh, engage. I, I, I'm, I'm, I just, I have this, I carry this, um, I carry this weightiness as I see our nation and the world sliding into the abyss of evil. All of us do. You see what's going on. And I think, my Lord, help us to engage in the fight. Help us to pray your word. Pray for ourselves. Pray for our kids. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our nation. God, have mercy upon us. Help us, God. I want to get in the game, but I do that by putting to practical use the, the armor of God in our daily lives. I know every one of you here have loved ones you care about dearly. I want to, I want to encourage you. Get in the fight. Engage. It'll make a difference. Finishing. Now, finishing is a noble concept, but not something that maybe some of us are skilled at consistently doing in our lives. Um, I know that's true in my life. So I want to cover a couple things here about finishing. What I mentioned about our, our, um, our nation, our family, the attack that's going on. Um, I like ice cream. How many of you like ice cream? Does anybody like it? I like ice cream. My kids would tell you, oh, Papa likes ice cream a lot. So when I think about having ice cream at home, what happens is there's this battle that goes on inside of me. And my spirit, my born-again spirit, my spirit will say, have some ice cream and enjoy it. Put a couple scoops in there and enjoy that ice cream, and it won't be too much. And, and uh, you want to do all things in moderation. That's what the Word says. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> but, but then my mind will say, oh, my gosh, let's just skip dinner. We can just skip dinner. And we can, we can have a big bowl of ice cream because this is like your favorite ice cream. So, and, and you can make it up. I'll skip dinner. And that way, that way I won't put on another 20 pounds. And, and, and so, so I have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Do all things in moderation. I have my mind reasoning it out. Oh, I can have a big bowl, but just skip dinner. So I'm trading off. And then, then there's my flesh. And it says, it says, you love ice cream, just go for it all. Just enjoy it to the fullest. All of us have this going on with us. You see, the Spirit speaking to you is leading you by truth and into the land of good, the good of the land. My mind, unrenewed mind, will reason with it and say, oh, I could do this and I'll make it up later, or, or I can get around this, or hey, we're under grace. It's okay if I tolerate that sin in my life. And then my flesh or the enemy says, Oh, you've been so susceptible to that so many times. Just give it up and go for it. We all deal with this, don't we? In running your race, we all have to learn to use self-control, the fruits of the Spirit, and choose, choose, to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit in obedience to God's word. We make choices every day. Someone cuts me off in traffic. 
Do I just say, Father, help them? I pray for them that they would not cause an accident, please. Or do I think, boy, I sure hope they don't run into someone and they get, maybe a police officer will pull over. Or maybe I say, hey, blankety blank, watch where you're driving. See, we make choices every day. I want to encourage you. Make the choice that will lead you and your kids into the good of the land. And parents and grandparents, the choices you make affect not only you, but those entrusted to your care. That's biblical. Remind yourself, make good choices. When I was dating my wife, this is before I knew the Lord, funny story, we would go to the ice cream shop, and uh, she'd get a cone with one scoop, and I'd buy a quart. And I'd eat that quart of ice cream. I was college age. But then I came to the Lord, got convicted, and I have to admit, I, I still eat this size ice cream. My kids are back there saying, amen. Tell the truth, Dad. Finishing and running the race well. Um, I'm not a marathon runner. I've, I know some people who are. And uh, they talk about the things that they have to combat and work through. One of them is Pastor Mary Bangs back in Colorado. That woman is, man, if she sets her mind to something, it is going to happen. She has run, I don't know how many marathons. Uh, is a um, competed in Ironman competitions uh, regularly and just amazing. But just listening to her, some of the things she's have to she'll have to battle through in order to achieve the goal are things like blisters on her feet, coming up against what they call the wall at let's say mile twenty with twenty six miles with six miles left to go, thirst. Her, 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 uh, her muscles seizing up. She fights through all of that. She trains for it. Why? Because she wants to make the goal. And what's the goal? To finish. Almost everyone that you meet after a race, the first thing on a long race like a marathon, the first question almost everyone asks them is what? Did you finish? And then they ask them, well, what was your time? How'd you do? I want to submit to you, we're in the race of our lives. It's a short time here on the earth. I want to encourage you, run the race to finish well. Again, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What does finishing well mean to you if you're married, what does finishing well mean to you as a parent with your children? What does finishing well mean to you with your grandchildren? What does finishing well mean to you at work? Living a life of faithful significance is not accidental. Because here's the truth. Finishing well is not just about the results, but about faithfulness. When I was in, um, I was I was in, involved in a lot of sports in uh, my younger years, and um, I would go to practice sore. I would go to practice hurt. I would go to practice when I didn't want to go to practice. I would go to practice when, oh my gosh, the guys were doing something else, and I went to practice. It took discipline. It took perseverance. It took steadfastness to finish well. I would submit to you for us as Christ followers in the midst of the culture we're in that we're going to have to persevere and be steadfast to finish well. All right, I got two minutes here. Let me finish. A couple good statements. The path to finishing well is not found. It's most often made. 
the path to finishing well is not found. It's most often made. So some thing, couple, four things to learn from the runners. I'll go through them quickly, and then I'm going to close. Number one, learn from runners that have gone before you. I appreciated Jesse and her sharing the scripture. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Some of the previous people who have ran the faith, for me, are living, and some of them have gone home to be with the Lord. But I'm still learning from what they learned by what they wrote down. Our Bible's that way. Number two, Run light. Peter Drucker, who was a renowned businessman, consultant, author, 20th century, he said this. He said, first things first, last things not at all. I love that statement. Keep the first things, the priorities in your life first, and if you don't get to the last things, it's okay. Let them go. Number three, run with perseverance. The Bible talks about this. Perseverance and steadfastness help us overcome so many of life's obstacles. Combined with courage, and catch this, in a study done by Angela Duckworth, it was the characteristic of successful, over and over and over, of successful relationships and successful businesses. It was actually far more important than talent. And then lastly, keep your eyes on the prize. For me, the word goes back to faithful, and the eye, my eye on the prize is Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Jesse shared the scripture earlier, the author and finish of our faith. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord and his words, because when I take my eyes off the Lord, and I don't have my time, in, my time with him in the word, I find that things spiritually become dim, and the natural becomes stronger and stronger pulling on me. In the next verse in 1 Timothy 4, Paul wrote this regarding finishing well. Because he had run the race and finished well and stayed faithful, he said this, finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Life's a fight. Life's a race. And life takes faithfulness, walking with our Lord. But God never would have put it out there if we couldn't do it. With him, we are able, I promise you, to do it. And if you, if you purpose and continue, it'll affect, again, I want to remind you, not only you, but your kids and your grandkids. It makes eternal differences in their lives. So on your chairs there, on the back of them, you should have a card there, a three-by-five card. And hopefully there's a pencil or a pen you can use. Those of you in the front row, yeah, just reach behind you. There's some over here. Everyone got one? Just hold it up for me so I can see. Everybody got one? You got a pencil or pen? So here's my takeaway for you today. It's out of Matthew 25. It's the words from Christ our Lord. And I want, I'd like you to write them down on this piece of paper. Would you please write down, well done, comma, my good and faithful servant. Well done, comma, my good and faithful servant. Please take that home with you and put it someplace where you'll see it regularly. Maybe on your mirror, on your dash, on your bedstand, wherever, wherever you're going to see it on a daily basis. And I want it to be a reminder to you that one of the goals in your life and my life is when we stand before the Lord and it's you and him that we hear these words from our Savior. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
it'll remind you to stay in the game, to keep in the fight, to run the race well, and to stay faithful. Let me pray with for you, and then I'll close. Father, we want to fight for the things that you care about. And we want to finish the race that you've set before us. I believe everyone here wants to keep the faith and continue to move and grow, no matter their age or stage of life. We thank you that you chose to place us here at this time in history with these people, with our families. You pick those, Lord. With our loved ones, with the church, where we live, you picked them, Lord, in our calling. Help us, Father, to get in the fight and stay engaged. To pray your word like a sword, a mighty sword, out of the lips of our mouths. To read your word, to learn more and more about you, Jesus. You are the lover of our souls. And help us to learn our identity in you, God, that we can stand against the wiles of the enemy. And then, Lord, help us to run like the wind with your spirit to see your kingdom advanced in people's lives, in our own families, in the communities and schools that we attend and are planted in, and in the nation where you put us, God. And Lord, help us to remain faithful that our heart's desire would be to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for your people, Father. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.